Live from the ACU of Texas Studios, this is the Clear Lake Today Podcast Network. We, the people, Congress shall make no law. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. This is Bullet Points 2A Talk Radio. Brought to you by the United States Gun Club. And now, your host, Tony Ashcraft. Hey, welcome to Bullet Points 2A Talk Radio. I'm your host, Tony Ashcraft. Thanks for joining us on this second Amendment Tuesday. Let's get to it. we got a lot of stuff to cover. I want to get to the Chicago murder report, uh, but we want to look back on 2019 as a whole and the numbers are in. And to no one's surprise... Total number of people shot and killed in Chirac last year, 461. That's actually down 7% from the prior year. Total number shot and wounded, 2,293. That is your total shooting victims for 2019 at 2,754. That brings your total homicides to 516. That is down 13% from the prior year. 2016 was their big record year, 808 that year. Huge number in Chicago. They've got a lot of problems. Mayor Lori Lightfoot is convinced that it's guns coming in from the states that surround uh, the city of Chicago there, Cook County and the state of Illinois. Of course, they've got every gun law that you can imagine in the state of Illinois, and it's not doing any good whatsoever to no one's surprise. Hey, a reminder to check out the Second Amendment Foundation at saf.org. Also, Gun Owners of America at gunowners.org. Both great alternatives to the NRA. Nothing wrong with the NRA, but you know what? I like these two organizations better. And hey, they absolutely need your support. And speaking of folks that support the Second Amendment, be sure and check out the United States Gun Club. They are a great organization, great people. Let's get to the firing line. Now, this is something new from SIG, and if you guys listened to the show before, you know I'm a big SIG fanboy, so I I got kind of excited when I saw this one. So this is a new bolt-action rifle from SIG Sauer, and it's called the Cross. It's available in 6.5 Creedmoor as well as 277 Fury, and if you're wondering what 277 Fury is, it's cool, but I'll, I'll talk about that more in just a second. And of course... 308 Winchester. Now, you can get it in a 16-inch barrel if you're buying the 308 or the 277. If you're looking at the 6.5 Creedmoor, and why wouldn't you be? It's available in an 18-inch barrel. Now, this comes with an adjustable folding stock, and of course, the comb height and length of pull are adjustable. A standard issue M-lock rail uh, comes in at just six and a half pounds, so it's not not too heavy. It's about you know, your average AR-15 weight is about six and a half pounds. So SIG says that they call it the cross because it's perfect for either precision shooting or hunting. And I guess, you know, six and a half pounds, it's not crazy. Uh, One cool thing is it comes with a two-stage trigger from one to one and one half pound. So that's not very much on the pull at all. So that trigger now I haven't haven't got behind one yet because it's kind of new to the market. Not sure, I'm sure as a shot show unfolds in the next handful of weeks, or rather we get the the 
media update from SHOT Show. We'll know a little bit more about what's going on because Sig seems to be pretty excited about this. Go check it out on the web. Just a gorgeous rifle. So let me get back to this 277 Fury. If you're wondering what the hell that is, 277 is 6.8 millimeters as a comparison. So the 277 Fury, now check this out. The 277 Fury high pressure load will send a 140 grain bullet down the barrel at over 3,000 feet per second. That's a lot of energy. That's a lot of velocity. Now, it's kind of hard to find much information on it at this point because, again, it's all new stuff. And I suspect that SIG is putting a little bit in their pocket for SHOT Show. You know, they, they don't want to reveal everything too early or take away the excitement. Uh, MSRP is said to be around $1,600. And I'm telling you, this is a gorgeous, gorgeous rifle. Uh, if it goes as good as it looks at $1,600, I will be in line for one for sure. Check it out. The crossbolt action rifle. Really, really nice looking gun. I want to tell you about House Bill 203 that's circulating around out in Indiana. Now, this is another one of those feel-good gun control, common sense, nonsense, BS bills that we see routinely from the anti-gun left. I won't bore you with too many of the details. I'll just hit the highlights for you. So no weapon purchases for anyone under the age of 21. No sale, transfer, possession, or offer of sale of any magazines that hold 10 rounds or more. And they went a step further with this. They included the language of magazines that are that are pinned so in other words if you have a magazine that was manufactured as say a 30 round magazine for an ar-15 and you wanted to bring it into compliance in the state of indiana you could not pin that and restrict it to 10 rounds because language in the law uses the phrase quote may readily be converted now that language is directly from some language in the nfa the national firearms act that pertains to fully automatic weapons so this phrase may readily be converted is being used more and more in the language that's being put forth by anti-gun legislators. And I suspect it's because it's quite the gray area because you could say may readily be converted to a lot of things that are out floating around in the gun world. So that language gives them the power to really lean on folks that uh, that they feel like are encroaching on their anti-Second Amendment crusade. Now, this also, this is a good one. You guys are going to love this one. This creates a crime for the possession of, now this is their words, for the possession of a multi-burst trigger activator. Now, what the hell is a multi-burst trigger activator? I don't know. I didn't write the bill. No, but seriously, so they're talking about stuff like um, a Hellfire Trigger. They specifically mention bump stocks, which are already banned federally, so I don't know why it's in here, but I guess they're not paying attention to federal law. Well, clearly they're not paying attention to federal law. They're stomping all over the Second Amendment. That's federal, so I, yeah, why should we expect them to actually know what they're talking about just because they're writing laws? Uh, anyway, so yeah, bump stocks, uh, Hellfire Triggers, Hellfire Trigger Assembly and Trigger Cranks. Trigger Cranks, I like that one. Trigger Crank is almost as good as Barrel Shroud when it comes to 
<laughs> firearms accessories and did crap that they want to ban that these guys put out there. It just goes to show you that uh, the people writing these laws most of the time have absolutely no clue what they're talking about. I've probably never even held a gun. So back to this uh, multi-burst trigger activator thing. Uh, it doesn't specifically mention binary triggers, um, you know, like the Fostec Echo Trigger doesn't specifically mention that, but I'm sure that they would lump it in there. So you can't have the any of these multi-burst trigger activators. You can't possess one, even if it's installed in a broken gun. So you, you can't have it at all in any shape, form, or fashion. They want to completely get rid of it. And they're going to make it a felony out there should this law pass. So it's crazy. That's another one of those feel-good things. They, they just, oh, they're, they're going to save us all with these laws. Just absolute BS, absolute nonsense, more crap. So that's HB 203 out in Indiana. Uh, you know what? If you're in the state of Indiana, uh, I would call... I would call my legislature. I would call everybody in government that I had a phone number for and tell them absolutely not. And listen, if you're listening and you're not in the state of Indiana and you want to support the Second Amendment, here's a good way to do it. Call the state of Indiana. Call those lawmakers out there. You don't have to say, hey, I'm from Texas or I'm from Oklahoma or I'm from Louisiana. I'm from wherever. Tell them you are a United States citizen, that you are a Second Amendment supporter, and you don't want this crap because. You might think, you might have the attitude that, hey, well, you know, I live in Texas. It's in Indiana. Well, why does it really matter? You know, you can't see it from my house. Listen, you can't see it from your house today, but if you let it go, it's coming. It's headed your way. I'm telling you, the Second Amendment is everybody's right, not just right in the state of Texas, not just in Indiana, not in California, not in Oklahoma, not in Virginia. It's everybody's right. And if you want to fight, you've got to take that fight wherever the fight is. That's the only way that we're going to win. The only way. This is Bullet Points 2A Talk Radio, brought to you by the United States Gun Club. All right, so let's get to some good news. December, Nick's numbers are in. And again, another record-setting month. This is like the eighth or ninth month in a row that Nick's numbers have been up. So let's start with the adjusted numbers. Uh, December 2019 came in at 1,553,965. That's an increase of 4% over December 2018, which came in at 1,494,087. Uh, December 2019 unadjusted numbers were at 2,898,501. That is a 15 0.1% increase over December 2018, which came in at 2,517,286. Now, what's unadjusted versus adjusted? Adjusted numbers take out the periodic background rechecks for state-issued license to carry. Uh, some states check every month. Some states just check periodically through the year. Uh, there are some states that contribute well over 300,000 checks to that each month. So that number is, as you can tell by the difference between the, the adjusted and unadjusted number, that number is pretty high. 
So the adjusted number is a pretty good indicator of what the firearms industry is doing, how many people are purchasing weapons. What we usually don't take into account is the fact that there are 25 states in the union that currently will accept a qualifying alternative permit to the NICS background checks. Texas is one of those states. So if you go in to buy and you have a license to carry, you can go in to your local gun store, fill out your 4473, present your license to carry along with your driver's license. If everything checks out on those two deals, there's no background check done, but you still bought a gun. So with the 25 states out there, you could add a whole bunch more uh, transfers and purchases of firearms in with those adjusted numbers. So that's that's pretty impressive. So good for the Second Amendment. In fact, uh, 2019, the annual total is in 13199172 That's up six-tenths of 1% over 2018 and 2018 total was uh 13,116,005 just keeps going up i mean i know six tenths of one percent is not a gigantic increase but hey we'll take it so that means the second amendment is alive and well people are exercising their right to keep and bear arms and uh i'm glad to see i hope these numbers keep going up i really hope they do and i suspect you know typically in a, a an election year our last Big, big year was in uh, 2016, and of course, as summertime rolled in and we got into September, October, ahead of the uh, last presidential election, and everybody thought Hillary was going to get in office and uh, and the Second Amendment would be trash in about five minutes, so a lot of folks went in and uh, bought weapons uh, just ahead of that. This is Bullet Points 2A Talk Radio, a Bullet Points media property. There's an interesting story. Well, I don't want to say story, but it uh, an interesting thing that's happening with the ATF uh, rulemaking and the AR-15, specifically the AR-15 lower. Now, a few months back, I did a story about a guy in California uh, where the AR-15 is is very very regulated. You know, they're scared to death of the AR-15 out there. They have this weird stormtrooper prop star wars version bastardized ar-15 thing out there that they they force folks out there to use but anyway so so this guy out in california he would have folks over he had a machine shop with a cnc machine in there he would have folks come to the shop and he would have what the atf termed as build parties so he would have them come over there with uh mostly unfinished 80% lowers, and he would instruct people on how to assemble their weapons. He would place the, or or him or one of his employees there would place the unfinished 80% lower in one of the CNC machines that was already set up. The customer could then simply press the button, thus doing the work, and complete the 80% lower, and then he would help them assemble it. So they would walk out of there with a complete weapon. Well, of course, the ATF got wind of this and charged him for illegal manufacturing and, and all this other stuff. And so, of course, this ends up going to court. Well, so what his attorney 
cleverly argued in court was that the AR-15 lower receiver is not a regulated firearm. So it's, it's serialized, as we know, uh, but it's not regulated according to the ATF's own rules. Now, the reason that the AR-15 lower receiver, in this attorney's opinion, did not fall under the ATF's definition is because the AR-15's lower receiver and upper receiver are split into two separate parts. And some of the components listed in the definition are contained in the upper receiver, which is unserialized, and some are contained in the lower. So it's either one or the other. Since the upper and lower receiver, it's not a monolithic receiver like we would think about, like in a, let's say, like a Remington 700 or you know, just any bolt-action rifle would fit under the definition that the ATF has. So, and indeed, the judge looked at that and absolutely agreed. But anyway, he could have he could have been in a whole bunch of trouble, but because his attorney was uh, clever enough to actually research the ATF's definition, research the law, and find out what it was and point this out, uh, the judge really had no choice but to agree. So since then, um, you know, the, the, the cat's out of the bag now. And more and more attorneys are arguing on behalf of their clients, some that have already been convicted, some that are newly charged. But there's been some folks that are getting, getting out of uh, trouble. Uh, and in fact, a guy named uh, Richard Rowled, he was uh, prohibited from buying or possessing firearms because he had multiple felony convictions. Uh, the government alleged that uh, Rowled engaged in a straw purchase and picked up over 50 lower receivers. He, you know, of course, straw purchases, he, he, he employed someone else to go and buy the lower receivers for him and then presumably... Uh, sold them for a profit. And in 2018, he was indicted in federal court for possessing uh, 15 lower receivers. But his attorney went in there and made the same argument. He said, hey, look, judge, uh, the AR-15 lower receiver does not fit the ATF's definition of a firearm, therefore does not apply. So guess what happened to this guy? He walked. Absolutely walked. And more recently, a federal judge in Ohio dismissed charges against two men that were accused of making false statements to buy lower receivers. So in fact, um, if we go all the way back to 2015, there have been at least five federal cases that have been dismissed based on this same argument. So what's going to happen going forward? Does that mean we can all go out and buy AR-15 lower receivers without a background check? Well, we should be able to, according to the ATF's definition. Uh, they've been doing it wrong for a little over 20 years. That's just that. And in fact, a judge actually referenced that. Uh, he said that just because, the, just because the ATF had been doing it incorrectly for 20 years doesn't make it right right now. I completely paraphrase the hell out of that. So the ATF is going to have to change their definition of what a firearm is and what a firearm is not. So obviously, uh, nobody wants 
firearms in the hands of criminals. So this guy that was convicted of, that had felony convictions that did the straw purchase thing and bought, allegedly bought uh, over 50 lower receivers through straw purchases. Well, he wasn't collecting them. He was selling them for profit. And you have to assume that he was selling them to folks that ought not have them. And that creates a bad situation for all of us that support the Second Amendment. Because as good law-abiding citizens, we don't want to see guns in the hands of criminals. We just don't. And when that kind of stuff happens, we don't want to see that. I'm not for more legislation unless you can show me that uh, whatever legislation you're going to put forward actually does keep weapons out of the hands of criminals, those that should not have them. And indeed, this is one of those things where I think it will make a difference. So the ATF is going to have to do something about this. They're going to have to make some changes or this thing is going to get way, way out of control. So it'll be interesting to see what's going to happen. Now, again, this goes back to 2014. So uh, we're going on six years now that the first one of these high profile a receiver, not a receiver, regulated, not regulated, guy gets off and doesn't go to jail, cases came up. Nothing's nothing's been done about it. So ATF obviously knows about it. They've they've made a statement that they're aware of it essentially, but they haven't really commented on what they're going to do about it. Uh, but yeah, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to do something because this is gonna get just gonna keep getting worse. This is Bullet Points 2A Talk Radio, brought to you by the United States Gun Club. Hey, let's get out to Seattle, Washington. Let's go all the way back to 2014 when Initiative 594 was passed. Now, Initiative 594 included a provision for universal background checks as well as a gun violence tax on firearms and ammunition. Now, the proceeds from this tax were supposed to go to programs that would reduce or end gun violence. Now, fast forward to 2020, and what do you think's happened since then? Nothing. Well, that's not true. Actually, something happened. Uh, what happened was shootings are up 6% in 2019 when compared to 2018. There were 18 killed and 73 wounded, and those are the highest totals since 2012 and the highest totals since the tax was imposed. What happened? Uh, if we look at this a little closer, if we go back to 2015, which is the first year uh, following the passage of 594, so universal background checks. Now, this is the big deal, universal background checks. This is what I think just about every anti-gun, Democrat, left-leaning, liberal wants is universal background checks because somehow they think that a criminal before getting a gun is going to engage in a background check. So just because you put the law out there does not mean the criminal is going to follow it. There's laws against everything else. They ignore that. They damn sure don't care about your universal background check. Anyway, I'm getting off in a rabbit hole. But since 2015, that's the first year, first full year that we can look at statistically following the implementation of the universal background check. Uh, the number of shooting incidents has not dropped below 300. So since 2015, so 2015, 2016, 
2017, 2018, and 2019. Four, or actually five full years if we count 2015. So for five years in a row, the number of shootings has not dropped below 300. So it did absolutely nothing. That's a, a five full years of data we can look at and no change whatsoever, except that a, a slight tick up. And in keeping with that ticking up trend, the FBI's Uniform Crime Report, which is really the only data set we should ever look at when arguing statistics, the FBI's Uniform Crime Report said that in 2016, there were 127 homicides statewide. And in 2018, that number had jumped to 138. So not a huge increase. You know, we have 6% uh, increase in shootings, uh, 2018 to 2019 in the city of Seattle. And statewide, we have uh, about a, an increase of about 11. So that's a small trend up, but a trend up nonetheless Certainly, you could argue that that trend is negligible. I would take that argument. But what you can't argue is these programs have been in effect for five years and have done absolutely nothing. Zero. Nothing. Nothing at all. You could argue that that increase, that 6% increase, and that uh, handful of additional homicides that that is a a negligible increase. But what you cannot argue, we've got five full years of data after the, the implementation of these laws that are supposed to make a big difference. That's what they told us when they passed it. They said we needed it, that it would make a difference. We gotta have it, gotta get these laws in, gotta get them passed. We gotta reduce gun violence. Nothing happens, didn't do anything. Absolutely no effect whatsoever. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us today on this episode of Bullet Points 2A Talk Radio. We appreciate you listening. Until next week, be armed, be smart, and be safe. Bullet Points 2A Talk Radio, a Bullet Points media property.